You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Outside the Trenches. Outside the trenches here on KC Sports Network, with my friends at Five Farms, Irish Cream Liqueur, and Holiday Distillery. Great folks up there. And you are a great folk if you're hanging out with us when we are doing this live at 9 p.m. Central Time, 9 p.m. Arrowhead Time. You're a real one. This is KCSN After Dark. This is Outside the Trenches. This is the B-side, as Nick Leckie likes to refer to it. Yes, let's go. Let's get this thing rolling. I'm with Nick Leckie, Big B, Brian Hanley. Uh, Nick. How you doing, my man? How was your week? How are things going on in your world? It's good. First of all, K-State got a win, so I'm good there, and it looked nice. You know, that offensive line is best since 98. Big B, why would you agree? Got some uh, size. I mean, they look good. They looked all right. I'm not going to say they look great. They looked all right. They got some things to clean up, but they'll be fine. They'll be fine. They're really good, though. They're talented. Yeah. That's a very talented team at Kansas State. Um, listen, I, we should address the elephant room off the jump. Kansas State and Missouri play each other. Uh, that's two-thirds of this podcast going against a third of this podcast in terms of Saturday. I was trying to make it out to the game. Don't know if I'll be able to. Don't know if I'll be able to swing it. Matt Lane was supposed to come into town. He's not going to anymore. Um, some, some things came up. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I will watch that one from the comfort of my own home. Uh, last year, I don't know. Uh, Nick, I don't know if you know this. Last year, I went to the oh, yeah. game in uh I think we talked about it on on a podcast as I went to that game pouring down rain. I didn't read a weather report beforehand, so I was wearing just like shorts and a t-shirt and uh I was soaked. Uh there was a delay obviously in that game. Got to get real close. Uh I think I, for the whole game I was on the front first row because a lot of people left. Um but yeah, one of the one of the worst experiences at a game um in my entire life. And and then a few weeks later, I, I don't know if we if we if I followed up with you on this story, Nick. A few weeks later, we were back in uh, in Manhattan. BJ Kissel and I we were doing a live show for the uh, for the three mall podcast that we do. And uh, Missouri was playing Auburn that day. And if you remember how that game went, the Missouri Auburn game, it did not go very well. Uh, not a lot of points were scored. Very ugly football. And uh, what ended the game was a fumble out the back of the end zone. Uh, Missouri was driving in in, in, in overtime too. Uh, Nate Pete stuck out the ball to to reach into the end zone. He lost it, fumbled out the back of the end zone. Uh, defense, Auburn took over, but they already had the lead at that point. Uh, so a couple of really bad football things happened to me inside the city of Manhattan, and I don't know if I can go back and feel okay about my football fortunes, Big B. Uh, I mean, it's a new year. That's true. It's a new year. Uh, I'm not going to say there's, it's going to be a different result. Um, that after this game, I'm, I'm not going to say that, but it is definitely a new year. Positivity rules the day, my man. Positivity. That's true. As Missouri fans were conditioned to just prepare for the collapse, because uh, it makes it a little bit less, the, the sting is a little bit less when you're prepared for it. Um, I, I know that, listen, it's just, uh, we're, uh, we're a sorry bunch of saps, us Mizzou fans are. Uh, we're just always prepared for when is it going to happen, when is it going to collapse, and it's probably not a great way to live. Third time's a charm, Tucker. Third time's a charm, buddy. <laughs> there it is. Well, let's let's dive into what we're going to talk about today. Uh, because if you guys haven't been tuning into the show already, I uh, mentioned it off the top. This is kind of the B-side. This is 
This is your After Dark programming. This is the, we're a little bit looser on this podcast than we are X's and O's. We're going to talk, I mean, some football, obviously. We're going to talk ball, but uh, we're going to talk more league-wide focused. And I think the biggest thing uh, that I wanted to bring up and bring to the table was just the chaos that happened in week one. Uh, the script writers really outdid themselves week one. Uh, when you talk about uh, this whole script, when you talk about the AFC, the chaos that, all that went on in the AFC, I believe it was six it was six AFC teams won on, on uh, week one. Absolutely crazy when you talk about all the talent and all of the uh, absolutely loaded quarterbacks that, that are in the AFC, but only six teams uh, in the AFC won. One of those quarterbacks being Aaron Rodgers, who's no longer going to be a quarterback this season. Um, I think that it's a very interesting thing. But uh, Big B, let's start with you. What was like out of the chaos of it all? What did you take the most uh, out of week one in the AFC? I mean, well, first off, the Chiefs lost. I thought the Chiefs would win. Yeah. Uh, I thought the game would be close because I don't think people realize how good the Lions are. Uh, but again, if you take two of your three best players off of any football team, you're not going to be as good. That's just the way that it works. Um, I thought, of course, the Steelers getting manhandled. <laughs> I was overly optimistic and trying to pump myself up that we could win the football game, okay? But to get physically whipped, I don't know that I've seen an NFL team get physically whipped, and it wasn't okay, they wore them down, they beat them down over three or four quarters. From the first snap of the game, they physically whipped us, and I was like, I, I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Uh, but not to, to a Mike Tomlin team at that, but it happened. It happened. Um, and then I thought the Chargers defense would would also be better. I, I just thought that the Chargers at, at some point your your defense you're a defensive got a defensive head coach. I thought at some point everybody's healthy. Here we are, and they couldn't stop Miami if you dangled a trillion dollars in front of them, they were not going to stop. It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Nick? Yeah, I, I think to me the biggest surprise was how feckless the Broncos look. Like I said, it's it's week one, so hold, hold, hold your reactions. But I was expecting a little bit more from Sean Payton and company. And you're at home, you have the Raiders, and it's sure it's a divisional, it's a week one, so you should be some familiarity, but it's like, damn. Like really, you're gonna lose seventeen to sixteen, like that. It just again, not just oh, like a ew, like a week one, like overcast day is is what that was. Like it was just bad, bad form. And to me, like the 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 biggest non surprise is like we talked about on the show, right? Is is the Browns just took care of business? T C O B taking care of business, uh, or or taking care of the Bengals, uh, you could say it like that, because that was that was that kind of overshadowed your your Pittsburgh loss, Big B, like because that was a maybe. Rough feelings are still hurt, but maybe I know. <laughs> I'm sure. But listen, you were all over that one, Big B, when we were on the show a week ago. I you did. were all over that one. I was all over it. Now I didn't think that Orlando it. Brown would turn into a turnstile. I thought maybe he'd fight a little bit. He put up no fight. He put up no fight. And I don't want to hear that it was raining. I don't want to hear that should give you the advantage over a pass rusher. And it gave him no advantage. That was unbelievable. 
Unbelievable. You, you talk about the raining and the precipitation aspect of it. The Bengals offensive line against the Bills defensive line last year in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that's when you get to, got to really see the offensive line advantage take over because uh, the Bengals were hurt. And like I think you got a little bit of fool's gold right there before they went into the AFC Championship game against the Chiefs. But the Bengals offensive line, they looked so good against that Bills defensive line. And people were like, oh, wait, maybe they have something here. But it, as you mentioned, Big B, tough to get your footing in any sort of precipitation. Aaron Rodgers tough to find his footing too because uh, his Achilles I I can't watch that video uh I watched I saw the first time of his of the of the pop on the calf and I was like oh nope I'm not gonna watch that one again that is a very unfortunate situation when it term comes to the the Jets and really the whole AFC playoff landscape as a whole um <laughs> but I mean man everyone in the top lost though it's so bizarre very like, bizarre. no I that was bizarre it's like you pretty much got a clean slate really, for, like, home field advantage. So you're right. So script riders are on point this week to say, hey, week one, okay, cool. I'll, I'll see you week one, and I'll raise you a major injury and everybody losing. It's good. <laughs> right? It's just, man, it's just so wild. You can't call it. You can't. But remember, this is week one, so I don't have, isn't there a stat, like, the Bengals have lost, like, four of the last five week one games? Yeah, so, it's crazy. They have. Like, they just... They, they figure it out. They figure it out. That's why I said, just wait till November, December. That's when Mike Tomlin shows up. That's when all the good teams show up, you know, in November, December. So we'll see. So you're just kind of jockeying for position. And sometimes you just got to make the playoffs. And sometimes you got to go through it through not held to advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's uh, I think it's real interesting when you look at it. On Sunday, I was sitting, I was sitting at a bar in Lee Summit. And I was uh, watching these games play out. I uh, went to go grab something to eat to watch the end of, you know, the, uh, I think it was Patriots-Eagles I was watching the end of. And I thought to myself, man, this, this weekend really, from a Chiefs perspective, couldn't have played out better from losing that first game against the Lions. Obviously, you can go back now and say, like, ah, it would have been really nice to beat the Lions. Well, obviously, it would have been really nice to beat the Lions because you would have gone a game up on the Bills and the Bengals and all that. But from a Chiefs perspective, you couldn't have asked for a better weekend following losing a game that was I think we could say it was a winnable game um, without two of your three best players on the team playing uh, very interesting uh, weekend indeed with just all of all the AFC chaos going on and everything like that but Big B what do you want to talk about this week I mean I don't know I mean the the upsets and the teams that you thought would win some games or you didn't think would be as good I just thought like the the Bears. I thought the Bears. You know what? They they've got a little life. They upgraded the roster, and to come out and get pummeled by the Packers, which I'm still not that high on the on the Packers, but at home to just get blown out, I, I just I, it was crazy. I mean, I was flipping to the game, and I'm like, the score's getting out of hand. I'm like, what is going on? Turns out it's the same old Bears. The defense stinks. The offense can't complete any passes. They can't protect. It was bad. It was bad. That, that was it's just some of these games. And then the Rams taking it to the Seahawks. I mean, in Seattle. Yeah. Good in Seattle. Just, I mean, and that was a blowout. A blowout. And I do love the whole Geno Smith was mic'd up and Aaron Donald coming off a twist, coming around the corner and him screaming, oh my God. <laughs> and then throwing the ball. I can't get enough of that, man. <laughs> the thing is, 
He's not the only person that's done that. He's no. not the only person that's done that. But he will live with that for the rest of his life. That yeah, that's gonna be meme worthy forever. But hey, listen, you can't, you can't, you cannot fault Geno Smith for seeing Aaron Donald coming free on a twist and being like thinking, "Wow, my whole life just flashed before my eyes." Absolutely. I started to see Doja you know, for a little bit. Yeah, you you do, you really do. That's like I don't want it. Like let's do quick passes and screens, and let me hand this ball off, and let's let's yeah. get out of here. Go get some coffee. Uh, one of the numerous coffee shops around town. How about the no surprise Cowboys defense scoring and yeah. scoring? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's what I expect. If the Cowboys had a solid offense, they would, they, they could run the table. They, they could 100% run the table. And you think they, that would, game was over after they, the first drive, the Giants drove and they blocked the kick and ran it back for a touchdown. I'm like, this game is over. Yep. They're not going to be able to do anything else. How did it, that? Sorry, Nick. I didn't mean to bump you, in, but uh, uh, I'm trying to think of how that game went. It was they drove down, and the offense. I don't think the Giants' offense looked necessarily bad, and it, it was a blocked kick taken back. Yep. Uh, I think then the Giants punted, and then yep. the the Cowboys got a field goal. Yep. And then that's when the Giants got the ball back, and then threw the pick six. And it was like, all right. So now it's like. Uh, what would it have been? 17 to nothing in like the span of like five game minutes. And you're just like, what is going on? Um, and that's, that was like all the moments we need. Sadly, I left the Cowboys uh, defense on my bench uh, when it comes to. Oh, why football. would you do that? Why would you not listen to the podcast that you're in? Well, yeah. <laughs> at all. Like, like never bet against Micah Parsons. Are you kidding me? There's a dog. Oh, God. I mean, they, I mean, I it looked. It looked like the freaking Giants gave up. It looked like their offensive line just said, you know what? That's it. It's like they were supposed to go out to dinner, and <laughs> Danny Dobbs didn't take them out to dinner, and they said, oh, really? Okay, well, guess what? We're not going to block anybody all night long. That was ugly. Uh, there was, yeah, there was someone didn't pick up the tab. Um, they didn't get Rolexes last year. There was some, there was some hatred. There was some definitely like, like uh, you got, you got paid up and you failed to to hook us up, man. So, oh, hey, listen, it's Steve Arkins, the United Auto Workers Union, and uh, they, they, they put him in the back like Hoffa. Oh man, uh, yeah, that was, that was the, ugly game. Man. Okay, hold on, okay. He wasn't any good either in that game. I know people were saying, well, it was raining. I'm like, the pick sick was clearly his fault. They're mm -hmm. playing cup or two. You have nobody in the flat, and you lob a pass out to your running back. What do you think's going to happen to him? Of course he's going to get blown up. I mean, it's football one-on-one. I'm like, and of course he did. And all yeah. the Saquon should have had. I'm like, no, he shouldn't have. The ball should have never went his way. I go, but that's what happens when you pay a mediocre quarterback $40 million. Yeah, this a hundred percent. And this is what's gonna happen too. Is like he's he's gonna put up decent fantasy numbers because he's gonna be running for his life all the time. Yeah, oh yeah. And like it'll turn into rushing yards, and people are like ah, and this standing time, this standing times guy's not too bad of a fantasy quarterback. And it's like he's I don't understand that one is really hard for me to compute. Uh, that's been a separation for me recently between like actual football and fantasy football. How is Daniel Jones a good fantasy football quarterback? And it is because of his rushing, right? That is, it's because of those numbers. But it's just like I cannot feel confident in my fantasy football team if I'm drafting Daniel Dimes 
uh, to to captain my fantasy football team. I just can't feel good about that. Well, he's going to be playing in games like this where where he's down, you know, forty to nothing, and he just there's no pressure. No one's at the stands. Everyone's gone home. Only people watching you are degenerate gamblers and degenerate fantasy football players. And you're just you're throwing like seventy yard bombs, right? And looking like uh, Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber on the sideline. <laughs> All right, empty stats, empty stats. hundred percent, hundred percent. That's exactly. That's why it's fantasy Tucker, not reality football. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Maybe I should just quit playing fantasy football. That's probably I. Probably an idea I should have had a long time ago. All right. We got to take a break, but when we get back, Nick, we're going to get to what you want to talk about from this past week of action coming up right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome back to Outside the Trenches here, presented by Five Farms Irish Cream uh, Distillery, or Irish Cream Liqueur, from our friends at Holiday Distillery. I'll get it right eventually. Nick, uh, let's get to let's let's have me stop talking and you start talking about what you want to talk about uh, from this last week of football. So to me, Lions are legit. Like I think the Lions are legit. Um, I definitely think Casey lost the game because they had a chance at the end. Lions are legit. Um, verdict still out on Cleveland. You know, I, I this game it's a weird game. Like I don't know if Cleveland's going to be really good or they're going to get carried on their defense if Deshaun Watson can can just just chill out and let the defense, you know roll and kind of just maintain and to me lamb lamb mvp 
what's he got to do? Like, I think that, that and, uh, I shouldn't say too much, but um, I think Lamar's got the easiest path to MVP right now. Mm-hmm. I, I really do. I, I really do. Like, I think there's going to be a lot of wins in, in Baltimore. They've got a, a fairly easy schedule. So I think Lamb Lamb will, will be that guy this year because it'd be tough for, for Burrow or Mahomes to, because it's always, you know, you versus yourself last year and Lamar versus last year, right? Yeah. He's got to play better though. He's got to play yeah. better because he played. He played. I mean, he played pretty average week one. So, but they didn't need him to do a whole lot. Plus, exactly. if he that Baltimore game, it seemed like everybody got hurt, like serious injuries on Baltimore too. That was nuts. Yeah, it's so. There's so much. And listen, it's it's Houston. You can't. It's tough to get up for Houston. That's also true. very. True. True. And it's a week one, so it's like okay, you win, you, you get out the way. And and to me, like the the most unsurprising or the most surprising thing is, I, I kind of like where the hell the Rams come from, and they're feeding they're 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 feeding the running backs. Yeah, I, I love that. I love that a lot. And to go into Seattle, it's like this is this is a weird year. Like to me, when Seattle is not a tough place to play, then it's like I know things are messed up. And and the same goes for for Three Rivers. Right to to go to to Pittsburgh and just to absolutely destroy from the other coast, yeah. Where I mean you, that was a nine a.m. game for the Niners, and yeah, so yeah. Absolutely. So that's and then and here's the thing is we just talked about the Cowboys are legit if their offense. I mean this is probably one of those games though. If you can put twenty four in this offense though, you could probably beat the Cowboys if you can. Yeah. Do that. Good luck doing that. Um, yeah. Like, they didn't have to do a whole lot, so I don't even think we got to really see their offense at all because once they got a lead and you, the game started going on, by the I mean, literally by the middle of the second quarter, you were like, this game is over. There's nothing. The Giants can't do anything, and I think Dallas just put it in the deep freeze and just cruised on home. Exactly. And then this is the only time you see the, the Giants in prime time for the rest of the season. That's why they did this week one. They go, Let, let's get in the big market. And let's get them out of that primetime slot because they are, they're awful to watch. I'm not going to lie to you. Like yeah. the Giants are like, they're like third and long. What are they going to do? Probably screen to Saquon, like 99.9% screen to Saquon and do something with it. Um, but the, to me, the biggest surprise of the whole thing is you have your Aaron Rodgers goes down and Buffalo still can't get it done. Josh Allen, man. I mean, what has Josh Allen has been anointed the number two or three best quarterback? Ben, he's living off of a playoff game in Kansas City from three years ago. Yeah, I mean that. That's my personal opinion. It's a lot of people's opinion, but he's living off a game where he played phenomenal. But what's he done since? And technically, what did he do before? Except he's a turnover machine in the big yeah. moments of big games. The most turnovers since he's been in the league. Since he signed his big contract, the most turnover since then. I'm like, what are we talking about here? I'm like, it's the same thing that they talk about with Justin Herbert. Herbert has all the, these gaudy numbers from his rookie year where he broke all these records, but what's he really done? And I'm not saying yeah. he's not talented, and football clearly is a team game, don't get me wrong, and when you have one of the worst coaches out there, that's a problem. But at the same time, how are you the two best quarterbacks or whatever in the league when you haven't accomplished anything? Because regardless of whatever you say, football is still, if you're picking, if you're, if it's, you're dissecting between hairs between is this guy, this guy, this guy better? Well, who wins? Mm. You know, 
you don't have to go out and throw the pick to lose the game. That I mean, that's not a prerequisite. I know people say, well, it's a team game, and it is a team game. But you know what? I can throw five touchdown passes in a game. That doesn't mean that I'm allowed to throw the pick at the end of the game to lose it. It doesn't mean that. And people get off of that a lot, and I just, hey, you tell me Josh Allen is great, fine. But number one, Josh Allen's going to need to stop trying to, I know I've said it before, stop trying to run through linebackers and safeties or you're going to end up like Cam Newton. Mm. Got to stop doing that, man. It doesn't work. doesn't last long. Even Lamar Jackson, he doesn't try to run through those guys. Lamar or Josh Allen tries to run through those guys. It's not going to last. Just like running backs don't last. Big B, you ate that up, man. I mean, I you, 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 did, you didn't leave anything there. You're 100% right because I think Josh Allen can be a top three quarterback, but at the same time a, a top three worst decision maker, if that makes sense. Like, I think that sometimes his decision making is so bad. Uh, when you talk about the, the deep balls he was throwing against the Jets, what are you doing there? What are you doing? What are you doing? The, the fumble is just all right, fine. Like I mean, he got he got popped. Like the guy put his helmet on the ball. That was a textbook tackle uh, that you want for to see from. I think it was a linebacker who did that. Uh, you lose the ball there. That's, that's four turnovers in the game. I think it was Josh Allen's third three interception game in his career. So he, I wouldn't be surprised if he is up there in the top three in terms of turnovers and or just interceptions in general, because man. Usually you see this with Josh Allen where he turns into this pumpkin towards the when it starts to get colder when when it's the playoff time. That's when he starts to kind of turn into the turn into the turn into the pumpkin. When the clock strikes midnight, he you better get on home because it's not gonna look pretty uh with, with Josh Allen. But man, I I don't I don't know what it is if it was if it really was Dable, if Dable was that sauce for him there that he needed in, in Buffalo and, and that's the big loss that really is been impacting them for I mean, last year they didn't really look all that great. I mean, this is a team that has had a lot of Super Bowl expectations, a, a team that has hung a Super Bowl trophy in their uh, practice facility so they can, like, visualize it, a team that is expected to win the AFC East again, a team that has won it three years in a row, but they haven't gotten made it past the divisional round for the last two years. It's, it's absolutely insane. And, and Bigby, you bring up, like, Justin Herbert, too. I saw a comment up there in our, in our live show. Appreciate everybody watching us live. And this is a, a quick shameless plug at 9 p.m. Arrowhead time on Wednesdays. We go live every time. Uh, we'll be here. We'll be here uh, going live, talking through everything that happened in the NFL with Chiefs, everything. And we'll wrap up with uh, some blind nil as well. But you look at the, the Bills are turning to the Chargers. Like, that's what it's turning into is where they have all these expectations. And then they just don't end up making it. And I think when you talk about quarterbacks who aren't living up to expectations, you bring up Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert is like, Everybody keeps giving this dude excuses. Like, why do we keep giving him passes? Why do we keep giving him excuses? Nick, I want to get your thoughts on 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 just the conversation between these two quarterbacks. How come they keep getting excused? I mean, Justin Herbert lost a playoff, a twenty-seven point playoff lead. He, he the lead was blown, and we're not talking about that at all. Like that, that wasn't talked about at all this offseason. I don't know. I just feel like there's a little bit higher, a different of a standard with the quarterbacks. I think it kind of really showed itself that Patrick Mahomes is so much better than all the rest. It doesn't mean they're not that good quarterbacks, right? I think there's a tier of good quarterbacks, but I think Patrick Mahomes just uh, this weekend, for me at least, showed how far away Patrick Mahomes is from everybody else. Sorry to bring that back about Patrick Mahomes. I feel like it's a Chiefs podcast. It has to be about Patrick Mahomes at some point, but Nick, your thoughts on Josh Allen and, and the rest of the quarterbacks in the AFC? 
Well, I think you're right because once you get to the top, it's like I remember all those years when Tom Brady and New England were so damn good. Everyone hated it. And everyone's yeah. like, all right, we're, we're, it's like, it's almost like media people, uh, TV were like, hey, get them off. We don't want to see them anymore. Let's root against them and let's figure out all these ways we can. And like, you hate to see the guys on the top. You want to knock them down because, right, once you get to the mountaintop, people just want to knock you off. So people have wanted to anoint Herbert because he's in the same division. And he's put up some nasty stats, and uh, he you know he got in because you know they they deflated uh, old buddy's lung, getting his uh, damn uh, shot of the game, right? Yeah, Tyrod Taylor. Like so, it's like so it's just the Cinderella story where you want you want her. they want Herbert to be good, they want him to be good, and he just can't. It's the same with Josh Allen. They want to have someone else to talk about besides boring Mahomes, and and that's what it is. That's why they get a pass, and that's why they don't get this pressure uh, like that Dak does. Because uh, it's like this, this the media markets, right? Dallas is a savage media market. They turned on the SMU, um, uh, uh, the Pony XS, right? Dallas is savage, right? There's no loyalty there. But these other places, they they want to protect them. They want to like build them up. And it's like, man, like you're you're trying to find, you're trying to hit your your wagon to a star, and it's a dud. And that that time after time, it just duds out, and just like there's no pressure, there's no oomph, there's no. You just don't feel it with, with Josh Allen. You want to. You, you really want to. But it's like he keeps making these silly decisions. And it's like, oh, and same with Herbert. It's like they get a pass for whatever reason because they're not Mahomes. If that were Mahomes, he'd be out, right? Like, it wouldn't be out, but they'd be like, okay, he's lost his stat, blah, 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 all this stuff. But just keep winning, man. Winning, winning soothes everything. Yeah. You're right. You're exactly right. I, I think it's nuts. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. It, I mean, you're right. I mean, Dak, I mean, it's the Cowboys, so they're a little different because there's yeah. Cowboy fans everywhere. It's unreal. <laughs> they, I mean, if you don't play well, you could play, have the greatest half in the history of the NFL. If you throw three incompletions on the next drive, they're one you out and somebody else in. That's just the <laughs> way that, that, that Cowboys fans work, man. But you're right. It's just one thing that to keep in mind and, and see if you guys agree with me. I think the reason that they don't talk about the quarterback play and uh, enough as far as being average or whatever is because there's not enough of them. That there are not enough good quarterbacks. And so if they continuously say, okay, well, this guy that we think is the number three or four best quarterback in the league, he's really not, then where do you go? And I think that, in my opinion, I think that might be a reason why a lot of national media doesn't do that because Okay, you've spent your time saying how good they are. Well, they're proving that they're not that great and that Patrick Mahomes is so much better. Well, then what? Now what do we, now what do, we do? What, where do we go from here? Yep. Listen, I could do a whole podcast talking about how good Patrick Mahomes is. Don't don't tip me on that big beat. I could <laughs> I could I could I could hop up on that soapbox and we could go for hours. Um, about Patrick Mahomes, but it seems like they take like a, a, a couple situational stats and be like, "See, He's better at Patrick Mahomes in this right this circumstance right here, so he's a better quarterback. Correct. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think right now I don't think it's a debate that Patrick Mahomes would be a surefire first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, if Eli Manning's going into the Hall of Fame, Patrick Mahomes is going into the Hall of Fame if he didn't do anything else right now. Um, but any final thoughts before we move on to blind note? Do we have any final thoughts about Week One? Something that we didn't hit on. Uh, something that we. Uh, seemed to gloss over. I think we did a pretty good job. Our picks, uh, I think we were all one and or no, Big B, you were one and two. Uh, Nick and I were two and one. 
you you sold me on the Steelers, Big B. I tell you what, I, I was feeling it going into that game, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, I'll take it. He was. I'm, I'm just leave the hybrid, guys. Leave me alone. I am in recovery. I have not. I'm serious. I've been a Steelers fan my whole life. I have never seen them get whipped from the opening map. I'm like, oh my goodness, we are jumping. Oh, it was so brutal. There's a play. Najee Harris gets blown up by Fred Warner. The it, 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 and Nick, I know you can appreciate this. It's an outside zone. The tackle is blocking a four eye. The four eye happens to slant outside. The next play, the next space, you go to the second level, the linebacker's right there. He looked at him, and he ran the other way. I'm like, oh, my God, he's afraid of him. And he blew him up. I rewound it back, and I'm like, there's no way that that happened, that nobody was supposed to block him. Well, it turns out left tackle was supposed to block him. I'm like, oh, they're afraid of him. We can't win the game. It was ugly. Ugly. I'm hurt. I'm hurt. That's too bad. That is too damn bad. <laughs> oh. Brutal. Nick, anything we get? Anything we didn't get to in, in uh, week one? No, no. We talked about the upsets. Talked about how the media wants you know, yeah. not Patrick Mahomes. I always love the stats at ESPN. Like if I'm at the gym, and it says, "Who would you take, not Mahomes?" And they'd like exclude Mahomes from like these stats. It's like the weirdest thing ever. I'm like, and that to me shows you that yeah, they want to see something else. And I get yeah. it. I get it. Sure. It's, it's boring to talk about, but it's like when you gotta recognize the best. Just recognize the best. It is what it is. It is what it is. It's a great model to live by. Uh, on that note, let's uh, hear a word from our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. And football's back, baby. It's in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? That would be our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And new customers can bet just $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day in September. And I give a quick shout-out to DraftKings. I had an over Aaron Rodgers passing yards bet. They refunded that to me. Uh, so shout-out to them for doing that. Yeah, even though he took the field, he got injured on the first drive, they get refunded that back to me. I get that in a, in a free bet that I can use. And I used nice. it on the uh, Iowa-Western Michigan spread. For some reason... Iowa's plus 28 and a half. You know, the last time they scored 28 points, like pretty much never. So, never. Uh, uh, sure, lock, I'm sure. But here's what you got to do to get it on the NFL action. Uh, you With DraftKings Sportsbook, download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. Uh, new customers can bet just $5, take home 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Fellas, I've gotten pretty good at reading that uh, disclaimer there. Really good. DraftKings Sports. <laughs> really good. Uh, I, um, I, it feels it feels good once I hit that disclaimer. I know some people it's intimidating when they get that to that to that read and they see that red must read verbatim right here. Uh, it's intimidating, but listen, I attack that uh, just like we are going to attack blind nil. The best segment of this podcast, in my humble opinion, from the brain of Nick Lecky. 
And uh, I think I'm going to start this week. I love it. Because I already have one. All right. I came, I came to the podcast with one ready. Uh, sports documentaries. I'm a big fan of them. I am a, I just recently watched the Kelsey documentary. And uh, why? Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey. Okay. It's called Kelsey, but it's about Jason Kelsey. Um, and he originally started, if you listen, if you don't listen to the New Heights podcast, which I'm sure like everyone does because it's the number one sports podcast in the world, um, besides Nick, uh, I, th- if you listen to the <laughs> podcast, they talk about, uh, Jason talks about how he wanted it to be a podcast or a, a documentary to basically documents what documentaries are, uh, an NFL player transitioning to retirement because he thinks that's a very interesting thing. I, I agree with him. I, that would be something that I would absolutely love to see. Didn't end up retiring, so it's just right. a documentary about last year. That's how it started, and then he was like, "Well, you know what? I kind of want to go back and play some more." Uh, very good to just—I think he's very candid in the whole thing. I, that's—I think that's what's really nice about seeing these documentaries. I like to see the humanizing aspect of all these things. Talk about Swamp Kings. It's kind of a PR stunt uh, for Swamp Kings, if if we're being honest. Johnny Football, I think, really humanized him a little bit in that way. But my question to you guys: it was a long prelude for me to ask you. <laughs> What is a sports documentary that hasn't been made yet that you want to see be made? So I guess a sports topic over a sports event, anything like that. What is one sports documentary that you want to see get made? I mean, I'll go. I mean, I think it's it's it hasn't really been a documentary. I know they've done some YouTube stuff and stuff like that, but look, I, I'm biased and I'm gonna say it. The the turnaround in Manhattan. I mean, they haven't done a documentary on Bill Snyder. First of all, they probably should have done it 15 years ago. I'll I'll say that without any equivocation at all. But a Bill Snyder documentary on what he did. Look, I went to K-State two years before I went. I didn't even know Kansas State existed. I I literally had no idea what it was. You know, I, I knew Kansas. I knew about Kansas because of basketball. But I didn't even know Kansas State existed. And when you start digging in, and it wasn't until after I left, on how bad the football program was when he took it over. And then, because we, we never really talked about that when we were there. That wasn't what we were playing. We weren't talking about that because, I mean, I'll brag, we were really good. So all the other previous failure and all that stuff, it was like, look, it didn't happen on my watch, so there's nothing for us to even talk about. Uh, but a documentary on that and what he had to do and endure to turn the football program around into a winner. Uh, and I'm sure the amount of, I'll say, begging that he had to do to come up with money to fund the program, I think that documentary is way overdue. And maybe Coach doesn't want to do it. That, that might be something that he just doesn't want to do. Yeah. But I think that thing is way overdue. Way overdue. Yeah, I would agree. As a kid from Dallas, I had no clue. I remember that Greg Peterson was my recruiter. He's a wide receiver coach, and he would come in wearing the K-State gear. And I remember thinking, not a shot in hell, buddy. And this is like 98. So this is like, you know, before like you guys like ran the table in 98. And I was like, and then I remember we were playoffs when the, the, the A&M game happened, and my stepdad went to A&M. So cool, A&M won. Cool, good. Who'd they beat? Oh, K-State. Oh, oh, cool. They had a good run. Yeah, I kind of heard about them. And then 99, my senior year, is when I really heard about K-State when they beat the crap out of Texas 42-7 in Austin. So you're right, to, to have this program where 
I knew nothing of K-State and I was never going to go there. And I was either never, ever going to go there. I ended up, obviously I ended up going there, but it was like, he built something that had zero, zero history, zero championships. And to build it to a national powerhouse, that's, it is the greatest turnaround in college football history. And, and you can't say Saban turned around in Alabama because you had Bear Bryant. Exactly. Right? For Christ's sake, you had, you had this, this rich tradition, Texas. Texas has won that championships back in uh, everything like that. Michigan. No. K-State had nothing before 89, before Snyder got there. And you're right. It, it is, you're right. That, that would be a re- really good one. Uh, that really would be a good one. Um, to me, though, if, if, if I want a documentary, I want the real Swamp Kings. Absolutely. I watched Aaron Hernandez front and center and, and how, how wild he was. I, I want Cam Newton. Uh, as a, as a gator, uh, like how do you get kicked off the team? What exactly. that? What what waitress was Urban Meyer hitting on? Like you know down in in Gainesville, like there were there was a lot there that that they glossed over that that could have been that could have been really really good. Um, uh, another one like my my second my my silver medal would be Doc Ellis and the LSD no no. You know I think that'd be where he pitched that pitched that uh, uh no hitter on LSD. Like that'd be a good one. That was a sign of baseball in the seventies. Uh, I think that would be, you know, really good. Um, you know, and so yeah, but but I think the Swamp Kings, the true Swamp Kings, with the all, all those characters, Percy Harvin. I mean, there's so much going on right there. Yeah, a ton. There's a ton. I, I like that. Um, just for the simple fact that you're right, they glossed over a ton of stuff that people are interested in. And they tried to make it into this everybody worked hard and, you know, they fought. I'm like, first of all, everybody's working hard in college football, okay? Mm-hmm. So to, to, to act like they were the only team that was working hard, I'm like, come on, man. You were more talented than everybody, okay? That's why you were so good. We get that. Now get to the real stuff. Let's get to the real stuff on what was going on behind the scenes. So I don't. they tried to say... One thing about Aaron Hernandez, well, he got in a fight. Well, everybody's getting in that fight at every college campus. If what they said happened in that restaurant, everybody's getting in that fight. That's not that big of a deal, you know, and it's just not. So I don't know. Maybe that's me. I I think you're right, Nick. The real Swamp Kings is is one that probably does, I would like to see uh, that get made. Because I I haven't actually seen the Swamp Kings one. Because I've been hesitant because of what have people have said about it, um, I I'm a very big fan of Thirty for Thirties, and I've tried to, um, I've tried to see as many of them as I can. I think Pony Excess is one of the good ones. Uh, uh, they even started to do like an offshoot, like SEC Storied, I think is what they're called, where they just do like focus on SEC events. I think the Book of Manning is what it's called. It's about all the Manning brothers and and them going and, and making the decisions. Very good. But I think it's it's funny that we all kind of defaulted to college football because that's kind of my thought too. I I know that they they've kind of you know done a lot of the the Miami teams. They've done like three of them, and really that's those were probably the last good ones. The U was probably like the last good uh, docu series I would say that had been done on college football because all of them kind of have turned into um, kind of like PR pieces, right? PR puff pieces. Yeah. Um, and it really started, again, I'm probably going to get on a soapbox here. 
it all started with the last dance, right? With with Michael Jordan having like uh, creative control over it. Uh, Manti Teo again. Nick, shout out Nick Springer, our producer, bringing that one out. Uh, that's a good one as well. I have seen that one. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of like the, the documentaries have kind of shifted focus of like telling the story of what's happened to like telling it from the person's point of view and how they want people to say it. Um, so I think that's uh, like the telling the real story of things going on it, uh, it is very interesting. Uh, I want to I want to see a documentary though made of like the Todd Haley era in Kansas City. Oh God! Uh, like I I want I want to know about like the inside what was going on there uh, with everything uh, just like an in like in a hard knocks esque type of thing. And obviously you don't have that footage um, and you can't really get that that footage anymore. Maybe they had maybe they had NFL films in there, uh, but just to see what it was like and almost I almost want to see like the transition from like there to like Andy Reid and see like how the culture changed in Kansas City. And I think that would be a very cool thing, kind of, kind of what you're talking about, Big B, of like just seeing a culture shift in in terms of K State. Now I mean, it's a little bit different with a professional football organization and uh, having the history that the Kansas City Chiefs did, but going from being very bad to now being a perennial Super Bowl contender all the time and how that culture changed, I think would be a really interesting one to see. But uh, all right, who wants to uh, who wants to go next on our uh, on our uh, blind nil excursions i'll go and this sums to me that just like i'm like wow it's just like like i can't believe this person is uh is still still doing it and uh to me it's like this is a football question and it was like you know the seahawks have been feckless since they traded away russell wilson you thought that was the the cure to their problems they got rid of Russell. They're going to open the stuff up and they've never drafted anybody. They haven't brought anybody in. Gino is, Gino is okay. Is this, is Pete Carroll on the hot seat this year? Right now. You lose at home week one to a divisional opponent. And to me, it's like, man, this dude, I mean, he's been there for a while. He brought to some good things. You know, he's still got the throw the ball uh, when you got Marshawn Lynch in the backfield to lose a Super Bowl. And I mean, is this the year? I mean, I mean, that's a good question, number one. Uh, but it's week one. But I think, and and they're re- supposed to be really good this year. They're supposed to be really good. So I think, I don't know if he's on the hot seat. I mean, Pete Carroll, it doesn't, people don't understand. Isn't he like 71 or 72 years old? 71, yeah. Yeah, that, that's what I thought. So, you know, he's not the a spring chicken. But at the same time, it's like, how long do you give somebody to just rebuild? It's the same question I always have about Mike Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin. He'd have a job before he got out the door in Pittsburgh. But how many times are we going to be okay with going 8-8 eight and eight and 9-8 and eight and not winning a playoff game? I mean, so I love, love the question, Nick. I don't know if he's on the hot seat per se right now. But if they have a bad season this year, and don't make the playoffs, then yes, I think you got to put them on it. I think you have to because they made the playoffs last year. They were supposed to, to – a lot of people picked them to win the division this year. Yeah. And if they stink it up, man, it's like, okay, we got to go in a different direction and get some stuff figured out. Right. You look at just – I was looking at coaches active right now in terms of ages. I think Andy Reid is older than him. Um, just in terms of – uh, oh, that's is years he? active. I I, I think, think so. He is. I don't, Andy Reid's not seventy. 
Is he? Maybe. Maybe he's like sixty. He's close to seventy. Uh, he's sixty-five. Okay. Wow. I thought that uh, Andrew was a lot older than he was. Well, that's good news for me. Uh, it's good <laughs> news to, for me to find out that uh, he is not. But uh, I don't know in terms of age of coaches. I just tried to tried to see uh, an age of him. Belichick. Uh, that is seventy-one. Yeah, seventy-one is is old. Um, <laughs> wow, I don't know. <laughs> oh, we don't have any seventy-one-year-olds listening. I know, right? Old to be a football coach. Okay, old to be a football coach. Sorry, I should have prefaced that better. I don't know how much longer. I know that, like, even some like former athletes have to stop being coaches just because they can't be on the sidelines for that long. Like, they can't like stand for that long on the sidelines. How long will Pete Carroll be able to do that? I don't know. Um, yeah, it, it very well could be. Uh, but you bring up a really good point about like them. They're expected to make the playoffs. I mean, it, well, they exceeded expectations this year, and it kind of goes to back to a question that I, I mean, I don't know if you have. If there's a right answer to this question. Right, a question that I mean, I've asked about the Mizzou defense. Right, the Mizzou defense last year was not anticipated to be very good, so they didn't have a lot of expectations going into the season. Much like Seattle Seahawks, they were not anticipated to be very very good. Now going into this year, they're anticipated to be a, a very good defense in the SEC. The Seattle Seahawks are anticipated to be a good good team in the NFC. Is it harder to perform without expectations, or is it harder to perform with expectations? I mean, I think that you can it, it, it can go either way. But I mean, with with the expectations they have now, it might be a little bit tougher. I mean, it, yeah. I'll ask you, I mean, you have the professional experience, but just for me in college, I, I think I, I think that's always a cop-out. Either you're good or you're not. Either you can stand up and you can play or you can't. It, the pressure that gets to you, it's like, okay, I get it, but there's so many things. You think about the things that happen, number one, in people's lives that have way more pressure than a football game. So it's like, I get that there's expectations and all that stuff, and it's a great question. But I'm like, no, no. Either you're good and you can play, or you're not good and you can't play. And there's a middle aspect to that too. So either you can stand up and fight and be good, or you you crumble under the expectations of expecting to be good. And to me, if that's the case, how good were you really? Exactly. And if you're worried about the expectations, then you're focusing on the wrong thing. And you've already lost the battle. Absolutely. So I mean, that, that's, the, that's the main thing. And I'm not saying this as like, get Pete, rid of Pete Carroll, but I mean, he's been there since 20... Long time, man. No, more than that. No, oh, he was there. No, wait. Was he? He's been there a long time. No, he, long he time. was there. Yeah, it's, it's been a minute, the 2010. And it's like, damn. Like, that's... For the NFL, that's... I mean, is Mike Tomlin... How long has Mike Tomlin been with, with Pittsburgh? 17 years. So, yeah, so it's like, geez, man, Pete Carroll's been, and he's done a fine job, but it's like, you know, it gets stale and you try these mm-hmm. things and you're like, okay, well, what next? But then here's a bum bar. Who are you going to get to replace him? That's what I always say. Yep. So that was my thing is like, just, it's like That's no longer the the home field advantage, the defense, you don't have this legion of boom defense. You don't have this, this great offensive line that, you know, with Walt Jones as Steve Hutchison, um, you know, just Robbie Toback. I mean, just fantastic uh, offensive lines. And they're just not having that these days. And just right. it's really, I find as a guy I played in AFC, NFC West for five years out of my six years, 
I, I, I like seeing the Seahawks do well, and it's just weird to me to not see them do well. And they haven't been well for a while. Yeah, That's they all have been. You're right about that. I do like love the fact you brought up Walter Jones. I, In my personal opinion, one of the most underrated, outstanding football players in the history of the NFL. There's been yes. so many good left tackles. But I, I'm just telling people, man, him, I, I talk to Darren Howard. I talk to him every single day because we work together. But he'll tell you. He's like, I, I don't know if there's five better left tackles that ever played in the National Football League than Walter Jones. Love no. the fact you brought him up. Loved him. Just uh, listen, side note, I used to go, I'd watch film back in the day, and then I would go like I saw, like you, you have practice you, after you watch film. I'd watch my own film. I'd watch a game each day. And then I would go after that was done. I had my, all my notes wrapped up. I would just go turn on Walter Jones footage and just watch him play at left tackle. Like knowing I can't do that. I'll never be able to do that. And he's just glide. He ran like a four, seven come out of Florida state too. Sure did. Dude was amazing. Dude mm-hmm. was smooth like silk. He was glassy, like, like a, like Lake Placid in the wintertime. It was amazing. He was he was sweet. He, oh, so good. Yeah. So I digress. Big B, want to round us out here with your blind nail? Yeah, man. This is a kind of a, a fun one, but a little college football one. Are we believing the hype at Colorado? Or are we are we are we are we putting the cart before the horse? Are we are we believing the hype or are we putting the cart before the horse? I, I like what they're doing. I'm gonna take it, Nick. I'll, I'm gonna take it all. This is I, I have so many thoughts on this. Eat it. So I, I, as as a former as a former Big Twelve North person, right where where we had the Big Twelve North and it was Nebraska, Colorado, Iowa State, and other teams with K State. <laughs> Colorado has been where where Pete Carroll and the Seahawks were. They were like left for dead in the pasture of the Pac-12. It's like you have this school, but it's like you can't compete with, you know, UCLA or USC in the sense of recruits and getting people there. Like it's a great university. Boulder's a kick-ass town. Uh, Colorado has has. Let's just talk about from a high school recruit standpoint. You have black and gold, right? So two of the coldest uniform color combinations you could possibly get. They have the all black uniforms. They have the all white uniforms. They have the gold helmets. You know, they have this beautiful Folsom Field is the, is the prettiest field behind the Rose Bowl, um, you know, as far as stadiums goes. That beautiful place. And Denver's got a kick-ass football, high school football scene. You know, really good football scene. And you can get all these kids from from that area. Um, and you have big Nike contract. You have name recognition. And when I saw Deion Sanders, when I saw his first meeting, uh, the actual video, Big B, it sounded like a damn Snyder meeting. He was like, yeah, it did. He was like, we, we ain't gonna wear we ain't gonna wear earrings in this place. We ain't gonna wear dreads, uh, no hats in the building. And I was like, and because I was expecting prime time, right? I was expecting like, you know, go out, you know, be your thing, be me with the jerry curl drip and the gold, you know, like come in, uh, get your interviews, run a 40 and peace out, right? It's it's all about me. And he's like there, and there's no I a team and there's no M E and team either, man. It's like so. And he recruited players, and he knows how to get them. And he went through on a whip too. And oh, I'm sorry, it wasn't a whip. They didn't have the money to pay him. They didn't have the money to pay him. Exactly. It's crazy. And Prime, Prime's a faith-based man, so he put faith in them. And then, yeah, so he believes in it. And I believe in Colorado. 
He's even worse than Coach Snyder, man. He in the weight room, they gotta wear a certain colored socks Ooh. in the weight room. Otherwise, he kicks you out. I'm like, man, this guy means business. And all anybody ever heard about him was the first meeting where he told people he's bringing his luggage, it's going to be Louie, and everybody cut off after that. But you're exactly right. I love that you brought that up. He's like, we're not wearing earrings in here. We're not wearing hats in here. You're not playing music in the meeting rooms. This is serious business. you know. And one fact, and I always bring this up about him specifically, is that they say, well, it was about money for him. And I go, yeah, it was. If you get a big-time job like that, it's always going to be about money. Anybody that says it isn't, they're lying. But, you know, his assistant coaches were making $24,000, $25,000 a year. I think the highest one was thirty eight, and now make 10 times that. I go, so, yes, he got a pay raise, but he brought all these guys with him that also got pay raises from Jackson State. People overlook that, man. I'm, I'm in. I don't know that I, I, that they're going to win eight, nine games like everybody keeps saying they are. I'm not saying that, but I'm in on what he's doing. I, I love it. He's using the portal to his ability. Everybody else uses it because he got 58 players. That's bad, but you can get 30, and that's good. Dead. I don't understand that. I think Colorado is a very interesting case because, Nick, as you do mention, uh, Dion is very flashy. Well, I should say primetime is very flashy. Um, primetime, he, he separates those two. Primetime's flashy. Dion, very old school. The way that program is run yeah. is actually very old school. And, and I don't, I think that's what people don't understand about that is they just see the, the turnover thrown on the sidelines. They see the letters on the chest that mean if you're a captain, if you got a leader or a dog on your chest, uh, they see that. They think it's more of like a new age players. Like, I mean, it very, it very much is like they're very players oriented, but Dion doesn't do this for the money. Like Dion makes that clear. Like he loves coaching these kids. He loves mentoring these kids, and you can tell that. You can tell by the way, like Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter decommitted uh, as the number one recruit in the country and committed to Jackson State because yeah, he wanted to play wild. for Dion. He wanted to play for Dion, and you see after every game. I mean, they only had two games, right? But after every game, you see those kids. Will do anything for Dion. Like that, that's what it's it's gotten to is is the way that the, that he has run that program. I think it's it like you mentioned, Big B. It's they're not going to see a dramatic change. I think this year, I think they're going to play some teams that are a little bit tougher than uh, TC. I think TC was a little bit worse than people think, and I think Nebraska's not as good as people think. Like I think that they are they're they're getting teams that they're beating brands right now. But I think they'll play some teams that are a little bit tougher that they'll struggle against. I don't think they're gonna. It's gonna be a night and day. Boom, we're playoff contenders right now. Uh, type of type of transition. But he's building something there, and I don't think that's what he. I don't. I mean, he's gonna say that he expects to be a contender for the title and everything like that. But he's building something, and he, and he's made that very clear that he's building something there. It's for the next years to come. Uh, and listen, I respect. I I didn't know how it was gonna go with the transfer portal. Right, you got all those new guys in there. How is week one gonna look? You got a bunch of new guys in there. It's a new system. I know a lot of them were familiar with Dion and, and kind of how he runs it. But another thing I think Dion has done really good at Colorado, and he even did this at Jackson State, is surrounding him with people coaching-wise that know what they're doing. Uh, he, yeah. he assembled essentially an, an all-star in terms of up-and-coming coaches in the college football ranks. He, he assembled an all-star team when it comes to, to his coaching staff. And I think that that was absolutely huge for him. The way that these college football teams are being built now is more of like the NFL structure, right, of 
you got your GM, and your head coach is going to be like your GM. He's going to recruit the guys on your team because he's tough to recruit the guys on your team because of the transfer portal. He's got to recruit the transfer portal. He's going to recruit high school kids. That's your GM. But if you got a guy that can do the offense, a guy who can do the defense, focus on the field stuff, I'm not saying that Deion's not going to focus on the field, but there's a lot more things that college head coaches have to balance now uh, with the transfer portal, NIL, all that kind of stuff. So to have to surround himself with, with coaches that are up and coming, I think that the offensive coordinator he got was talking about for some Power 5 head coaching jobs uh, before he I took a jog of Colorado. His defensive coordinator is a very good defensive coordinator as well. So he's got some very good coaches around him, some former players as well, uh, and that, that know what it takes to get to the NFL level. And that's the big thing for him is he says, if you want to get to the NFL level, I will help you get there. I know what it takes to get there uh, and show the work ethic there. But I think Colorado, while this year they might not be an eight, nine win team, I think that they are heading in the direction, especially going into the Big 12. I think going into the Big 12 does benefit them a little bit. Uh, they're going to play Utah, which I think Utah, I'm high on that program for some reason. I don't. They play a different brand of football than everybody in the Pac-12, and it prevails every single time. Uh, you're you're going up into into the Utah to play Utah at home. Be ready to, for some to get beat down because USC got it last year. They got beat down. They got beat down all the time. Twice. They, they, yeah, they they are they are a very physical football team that does not match anything else in the Pac-12. They're going to fit right into the Big 12. Uh, so I think that there will be some really good stuff there, Colorado. I do love them. And then I think like this year the apprehension with them was like I think that they're on the right track. I just don't know how many games they're gonna win. Right. They've already won, I think, more than they've won two, and I think their over under was like two and a half or three and a half. I can't remember. Like they didn't have very many games on their uh over under in terms of things, but I do think that they are they're up to some of them in Boulder. And I love it when Dion says, uh, we ain't coming. We're here. I'd, We're here. I mean, cool. That'll get the juices flowing. <laughs> Listen, you got. We, we might have to do a college football segment every week on this podcast because I do enjoy talking college ball. Maddie Lane and I do it on. Uh, we do it on our uh, Always Draft Season YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed to that, go Always Draft Season. Find that we do uh, barely bull eligible is our college football podcast that we do uh, previewing college football. I'm not calling the zoo. What? Oh, my bad. Yeah, I, I, my bad. I, my mistake. My mistake. I said calling the zoo. You said barely bull. Oh, oh. I was just throwing that out there. I didn't know. I didn't know how you were going to oh, take I like that. I like that. Shots fired. Shots fired over here. Say. Just something to say. Don't hold it against me. Don't hold it against me. It's incredibly fair. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Fine. Uh, I mean, I guess that's all we have left on the podcast. Uh, if you want to know more about the Missouri and K-State matchup, uh, check out our channel. Uh, <laughs> Go check, go check our KSA channel out. They got a uh, preview dropping on, uh, well, it's out if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, but Thursday morning, we got that preview up there. I've previewed the Missouri game already on the Mizzou That's Who podcast. Um, that's what it's, it's called, Prime, Mizzou That's Who. Um, because of the Sports Illustrated cover with Chase Daniel on it, uh, yeah, we're pretty creative uh, when it comes down to it. But uh, then we, we, we broke down the game from both of those angles. So, uh, fellas, Appreciate Chief Kelsey in there uh, representing Mizzou. I need some help here. I'm with 2K Stake, as and I appreciate it. But uh, for Nick Lecky and Brian Hanley, I'm Tucker Franklin. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Outside the Trenches. We'll be back talking more NFL. We'll see you guys later. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working. 
the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.